Could you see beyond the grave? 
And I know it's time change Sunday, daylight savings times, and it's the evil one where we lose an hour worth of sleep. But special guest and friend of Mount Ararat, Clayton King will be here next week. And you wanna make sure that you're here and that you bring somebody with you. In fact, we even want you to get a little crazy when it comes to social media this week. Every time you see us post something, we would love for you to like that, maybe tag a friend in it, and then reshare it. In fact, this afternoon, make sure you check our Facebook page for a special video promoting that and begin to reshare it. And um, like I said, no matter what, bring somebody with you. Like, do whatever it takes to get them here with you next week to hear Clayton King. In fact, you can tell them, hey, if they come, you're going to give them a free t-shirt because they'll get a free t-shirt if they're the first-time guests. Next week, we're going to have unlimited coffee to help them wake up for losing an hour of sleep. And if you still have one of those $50 envelopes, just slide it their way too, like to get them in the doors next week. So just, just kidding about that. But, but nevertheless, like you do not want to miss next week. You want to come early, bring somebody with you, and sit close. We're believing many people will experience the life-changing love of Jesus next week when our friend Clayton King is here. And um, before we continue on in our service today, before we jump into the message, um, let's just take a moment. Let's all just stand, find two or three people around you, and welcome them to Mount Ararat this morning. I just want to welcome those of you who are joining us online and also those over at our courthouse campus. And I'm Andrew, I'm one of the pastors here at Mount Ararat. And um, today we are beginning a brand new series called Here With Us. And this series over the next six weeks leading up to Easter is all about Psalm 23. We'll be taking a look at Psalm 23, which is probably one of the most famous passages in all of the Old Testament. And this series is all about how even in our driest of seasons, or even in our darkest of valleys, it is the presence of God being right here with us that still gives us hope. It is God's presence that helps us to overcome no matter what it is that we're going through in life. And today, before we dive into the message, we need to take a moment, and there's something that uh, we as a church, along with the elders, want to bring to your attention. You know, it's pretty obvious that, that I'm not Pastor Todd, um, but, but over late last week, Pastor Todd and his family actually received some tragic news. On, on Thursday, Pastor Todd received word that his sister, Michelle Morris, had actually, be, had, had actually been shot in her home in Texas. So Pastor Todd left on Thursday morning, um, flew down there to be with his family as quickly as possible. But even when he arrived Thursday, she was in ICU, but she was unresponsive. And Friday morning, his sister Michelle passed away. And she also leaves behind four kids. And so oftentimes, you know, we know that Pastor Todd um, feels and even helps carry our burdens. Um, so right now as a church, we want to be able to carry his burden as well. Um, so uh, like I said, the staff along with the elders wanted to give you maybe some things that you could do. Because maybe you're thinking right now, um, you know, what can I do? Um, how can I help? Uh, where one thing that you can definitely do is to pray. Um, you can take time this week and then over the next several weeks, uh, carve out time in your day to make sure you pray for the Gaston family and the Morris family, especially these four kids that have been left behind. And even if you don't know what to pray, like oftentimes I've even found the struggle to find the right words to pray this week. I found great comfort in praying Psalm chapter 46, uh, verse 1 and verse 7, where it says that the Lord is the God, God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble, and the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So I want to encourage you to at least pray that over them, pray that over the Gaston and Morris family um, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, second thing you can do that if, if you want to maybe share some words of encouragement um, with Pastor Todd and, and Pam and the family, um, you can send them a card and you can send it here to the church. Um, you can send it, just put Gaston's on there and then put our church address and we'll make sure it gets to them. Or if you want to send a gift or flowers or anything else, you can send it right here. And this is our address. If you miss it, you can go to our website. Um, and find the address there as well. 
And then the third thing is actually something to not do. Um, over, over the next um, couple of days, we just want to encourage you to not, not blow up Pastor Todd's like, Facebook page or uh, Messenger with, uh, with, with messages or mentions or his voicemail with messages as well. You know, until maybe you start to see him start to engage back online, you know, let's, let's make sure we give the family and, the time, and his time in Texas time to, um, to grieve um, and to go through this, this crisis and this tragedy. Um, you know, we, we do believe that even in the midst of tragedy that God is here with us. Um, so we're going to read Psalm 23 um, as a church together, and then we're going to pray together as a church. So at, at every location, let's go to stand up right now. And let's all read Psalm 23 together. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. They prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. And God, even in the middle of tragedy, Lord, we as a church believe that you are still good, and you are still God, and you are still our Father. And right now, God, we want to lift up the Gaston family and the Morris family because we also believe, God, that you are indeed an ever-present help in times of trouble. You are a refuge and strength. And the Lord Almighty, the God of Jacob, the one who walked with us even in our darkest valleys, is right there with us. And I pray, God, that the Gassons and the Morrises would know right now that you are right there with them. God, I especially pray for the four children who, who have been left behind. God, I pray that this, this tragic event in their life, God, wouldn't push them away from you, but instead, God, they would draw closer to you than they ever have before. And I pray, God, that they would experience your comfort. God, they would experience your peace. And God, we do believe that somehow, some way, what the enemy meant for evil, God, you're going to work out for good. So we just want to lift up this family to you, God. We want to pray that you would work as their father, as their Lord, and that you would bring peace, and that you would bring comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. And we are starting this brand new series today, looking at Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is one of the most well-known passages in all of Scripture. And if you think about it, you know, there's, one, there's a moment in life, there are times in life, where it seems like life can change on you in an instant. You know, it can be one moment where it's sunshine and 75 degrees, and the next moment it's hailing and there's snow outside. You know, one minute everything in life can be absolutely great, and then the next moment you get the phone call that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, which declares that tragedy is knocking at your door. You know, Psalm 23, there's something about this passage that actually brings comfort and brings hope to some of the most discouraging times in our life. In fact, it's no wonder that it's often read um, at funerals or even during tragic times. In fact, even if you're not a Christian, you probably have heard it read before if you've been to a tragic event or been to a funeral before. But do you know why this passage still gives hope? Like there's something about this passage in just six verses that shows that when God is with us, no matter how dark the valley, no matter how strong our enemy, no matter how bad the news is, when God is with us, surely there's still hope. And this passage doesn't just offer comfort for our dark days, but it offers comfort for every day. When God is present, he will help carry the burdens that are just too much to bear. When God is present, what looked like a crushing loss can actually become a celebrated victory. 
And I want to challenge you over the next couple of weeks as we go through this series, I want to challenge you to come here for every single part of this series. You know, when we plan these messages and these series, like they kind of build on each other. And I really do believe there are people um, who will come into Mount Ararat who maybe you've gone through some type of loss or you're dealing with pain and you haven't been able to, to see a breakthrough. Man, I'm believing if you come to every part of this series that God's going to restore some potential in your life if you decide to commit to coming over the next six weeks for the series. So do your best to make it here every single week as we go through this. Because this passage will show that God wants to put potential back in your life, but also that he's right here with us. And if you have a Bible or a Bible app, if you're not there already, go ahead and turn to Psalm 23. And we're going to be taking a look at Psalm 23, verse 1. And you know, it's interesting to note that oftentimes when people picture David, who wrote this passage, um, they kind of picture him as a young shepherd boy. And they kind of picture him sitting by a peaceful stream, maybe in green pastures. But most scholars actually believe that when David wrote this, he was already king of Israel. He'd already been through many battles. And in fact, they believe that when he wrote this, he was in probably one of the most difficult battles in his life against one of his own sons, as his son was causing problems in his kingdom. And he was even beginning to watch his entire family fall apart. That's why I love the way that David begins Psalm chapter 23 in verse 1 when he says this. He says that the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and I like nothing. And he starts off this passage with this declaration. And, you know, it was, it was known well throughout, um, well throughout his time that, that God was the shepherd of Israel. He was the shepherd king. And, and when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, David was making a declaration, no matter what it is that I'm going through, no matter what crisis I'm facing right now, that because the Lord is my shepherd, because God is with me, I have everything I need. And he had everything he needed to be able to make it through this crisis that he was involved in at the moment. And all throughout scripture, like this image of God as a shepherd is, is, is painted. And that's why it's so cool that when Jesus came here to earth, he became the physical man manifestation of God. And, and he declared himself to be the good shepherd. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And for the remainder of our time today, for about the next 25 minutes or so, I want to show you from John chapter 10 how Jesus, the good shepherd, is here with us to complete us. But before we jump into John chapter 10, like I know oftentimes, like in our 2017 context, all this talk of sheep and shepherds can often get lost. In this day and age where you can order your organic produce online and have it delivered by drone and dropped off on your, your doorstep, all this talk about sheep and shepherds like oftentimes will not even make sense to us. But John who wrote this passage, he was an eyewitness to what Jesus, when Jesus was having this conversation with these group of people called the Pharisees, he, he was right there when he heard Jesus said that he is a good shepherd. And see, sheep culture was much more prevalent back then when this passage was written. In fact, shepherds and sheep were, were a huge part of the culture uh, because of the sacrificial system, because of the economy, because sheep were used both for food and for clothing. Like, you know, these conversations were, were had much more often back then. But before you check out of this whole idea about sheep and shepherds, I want to show you three characteristics of sheep because there just might be a little bit of sheep in you. So if you're taking notes, the first characteristic of a sheep is that sheep are often stubborn. In fact, sheep are extremely stubborn. And some of you guys can already relate because you're stubborn. In fact, I want you to take a moment. I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you. I want you to look them in the eye. Don't you just love it when I do this? I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you. I want you to say, hey, I think he's talking about you. You're stubborn. Now, see, some of you guys didn't do it, okay? That's who I'm talking about. You're stubborn. 
see sheep have actually been observed like being really, really stubborn. In fact, they're, 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 they're known like to head in a direction. Unless they have a good shepherd to kind of nudge them in the right direction, they'll, they'll, they'll wedge themselves into crevices. In fact, check out this picture right here where this sheep, I don't know what he was doing, but like he, he got stuck between this fence and, and, this, and these rocks, like literally between a rock and a hard place. And sheep have been observed like they, a lot of times they even refuse to back up because they want to keep heading in whatever direction they're heading in. Even if they know like this is not a good place to be, even if they know I'm about to get stuck because they're so stubborn. I see some of us are like that. Some of us know that uh, even though other people have told us better ways to live life because we're so stubborn, we keep heading in a direction. Man, it could be Jesus himself telling you that there's a better way to live, but because you're so stubborn, you keep doing what you're doing but not getting the results that you want in life. And see, sheep can be extremely stubborn, and so can we. The second characteristic about sheep I want to show you this morning is that sheep can also follow really well. They can follow really well. Now, this can be a good thing for the sheep. If they're following a good shepherd, they will grow, uh, they will get the care they need, they will be fed, and they will thrive. In fact, this instinct to follow is so strong. I read a story earlier this week where back in 2006 in eastern Turkey, there was a flock of about 400 sheep. And one of the sheep who was like at the head of the flock, he starts walking toward the edge of this 45 foot deep ravine. And this sheep like tried to make it over but couldn't and he drops to his death in the 45 foot ravine. And would you know because of this strong instinct to follow, all the other 399 sheep, one by one, followed the other sheep over the edge to its death. And see, sheep have this strong instinct to follow. And even though, like, if they're following the right things, it can be a good thing. When they're following the wrong things or even the wrong person, it can cause tragedy, severe pain, or even death for the sheep. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been following the wrong things in life. Maybe you've been following the wrong people in life. And have you ever thought about that your friends are either a roadmap of where you're going or they're a mirror of who you are? Do you like the direction you're heading? Do you like what you see? And see, if we follow the wrong people or the wrong things, we can end up in a place that we never even thought we would be. So sheep can follow really well. But the third thing I want to show you about sheep today is that they also have a very strong appetite. Sheep have a very strong appetite. Now, I can relate most to this one. Like, I have a tendency in my life to, uh, to overeat and to eat the wrong foods because I have a, such a strong appetite and I really, really, really love food. And in fact, sheep have actually been observed where, again, if they don't have a good shepherd to kind of nudge them in the right direction, they'll, they will actually eat a patch of grass. They'll eat the grass. They'll eat the roots. And they'll even start eating dirt until a shepherd, like, helps move them on um, to something else because they have such a strong appetite. And I got to observe this firsthand. A couple of years ago, my wife and I, we were living in Ohio, and we actually went to this place called the Olentangy Indian Caverns. And it's really cool, like, underground cave system that they had in northern Ohio. And while we were there, after we were done exploring the caves, uh, they had, like, a gift shop and kind of like um, a petting zoo with animals roaming around, including some sheep. And so we wanted to feed the animals. Um, so we went into the gift shop, and this gift shop, for whatever reason, thought the best thing to feed the sheep with was Fruit Loops. Uh, so I bought a bag of Fruit Loops and I walk outside. I'm not kidding. As soon as I walk outside the gift shop, right in front of the gift shop, there's a sheep standing right at the door waiting to be fed. So I take out some Fruit Loops and I, I throw it at the sheep for it to get some of this um, sheep food. And I don't know what happened in that sheep, but when it got a taste of those Fruit Loops, like something snapped in that thing. I mean, it was like sheep crack. I mean, that thing started, that thing started chasing me. And, um, I, you know, and, and, and it, it was the type of thing where I was like trying to do everything like to get away from it. Like, it was following me. Like there's a little bag of Fruit Loops right there. And um, I was trying to do everything like to get away from the sheep. And I even had it too. I started to throw it in different directions. And, and you, know, um, you know, pastors can, can exaggerate a story about 20% before it's considered lying. But like I was, uh, I would throw the Fruit Loops around. And I had swore that thing was catching it in the air as I was trying to throw it. 
And it got to a point where I just chucked the entire bag of Fruit Loops at the sheep. And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That sheep ate all the Fruit Loops that fell out of the bag. But then it also ate the entire bag as well. Just a strong appetite. And let me ask you a question this morning. How has your appetite led you astray? Because maybe your appetite isn't one that involves food. Like maybe that's not your struggle. But what is it you keep trying to fill yourself up with that's ultimately leaving you empty? Maybe for you it's an appetite for pride. Maybe you're, you're so prideful, like you don't care about what happens to anybody else. As long as you get what you want, like you, you think that's filling you up, but it's only leaving you empty. Maybe for you it's an appetite for power. You dominate every single conversation, every single relationship you're in because you have such a strong appetite for power. Maybe for you it's an appetite for acceptance. And when it comes right down to it, you're willing to throw away all your beliefs, all your guardrails out the window as long as you can find acceptance. You, all those things you're trying to satisfy you will always come up short. There's only one person who can truly complete you. And see, we all like sheep, we have gone, our, gone astray, and we have to fight our sheep-like tendencies, but the only way to really fight our sheep-like tendencies is to have the good shepherd right here with us. And as I was saying, like in John chapter 10, you know, this sheep culture was so much more prevalent back then. And Jesus starts talking about good shepherds, but he's also implying that there are bad shepherds. And as he was talking to the Pharisees, he was saying that these are the hired hands, that they didn't really care anything about the sheep. They only wanted to get their own personal gain. And so that's where the story picks up here in John chapter 10, starting in verse 10, and we'll read through verse 15. This is what it says here in John chapter 10, starting in verse 10. It says that a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, my sheep know me. And just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, I showed you three characteristics of a sheep, but I want to take just the next few minutes and show you three things that happen when you decide to live life with the Good Shepherd. So the first thing that happens if you're taking notes, if you decide to live life with the Good Shepherd, is that you will experience life to its fullest potential. You will experience life to its fullest potential. Have you ever had something happen to you in life? Um, maybe you got something, uh, maybe you achieved something, uh, maybe you even met someone, and because that event took place in your life, you almost feel like, like life had unlimited potential, like the world was yours for the taking. And just because you hit that milestone in your life, like, it's almost like you feel like all the limits have been taken off and you are now unstoppable. I can remember when I was 16 years old, I was working my first job at Burger King. I remember when I got my first check making $4.75 an hour um, at Burger King. I remember looking at that check and thinking that I now had unlimited purchasing potential. <laughs> I was thinking I can buy whatever CD I want. I can supersize anytime I want now. I now had unlimited potential because of that check that I was getting at age 16. I can remember at age 17, I got my license. I remember I now thought I had unlimited driving potential. I could drive wherever I want, whenever I want, however fast I wanted to. Like I now had unlimited driving potential. And in fact, when I was 17, our, our high school also had its uh, homecoming dance. And after the homecoming dance was over, the date that I was with, we got invited to go to this after party at this place called Grand Prix Racerama down in South Florida. And this place was about an hour and a half away from where our homecoming dance was held. And I can remember thinking, you know, our, uh, my date and I, we got invited. I was thinking, hey, let's go to this after party. I got a full tank of gas. I got my driver's license. I got a 1991 Mazda 626. 
unlimited potential, let's go. So we drive all the way down there and we get to Grand Prix Racerama. And I'm not kidding, we're walking up to the door to get in. And then it's like all of a sudden my date remembers that she has a curfew. <laughs> she has to be home, we get there about 10 o'clock. She has to be home no later than 11 p.m. This place is an hour and a half away and I gotta get her back home at 11 o'clock. And this was before the days of like cell phones and text messages, so she, she couldn't like call her dad and say, hey, I'm gonna be late, um, and I didn't have a quarter to put in the payphone. And for you guys who are under age 15, a payphone is a box that you would hang up on the wall, you would take it off, you put money in it to call people uh, back then. But we didn't have any way to contact her parents, and so she said, look, you have to get me home by 11 o'clock, or I'm gonna be in some serious trouble. And I said, you know what, it doesn't, it's probably not that big of a deal. Like, don't worry about it. I'll explain to your dad when we get there. She was like, no, not only will I be in trouble, but you will be in trouble too if you don't get me home right now. So I said, let's go. Let's get back in the car. Um, let's head back up. And I got in that 1991 Mazda 626, and I start looking at the speedometer. And I see unlimited potential up to 140 miles an hour. <laughs> I get on I-95 and it is open, unlimited potential on I-95. No cars, no traffic, and I start going down I-95. I'm reaching speeds of about 120 miles an hour down I-95 at about 11 p.m. late at night in South Florida. And as I'm driving there, I'm making great time, okay? I'm making great time like trying to get this girl back home um, to her house. And then I, I look over and she's falling asleep. Then as I, as I look back over, I pass on any one of those uh, overpasses I go under an overpass and then I look next to that overpass and there's this little black and white blur that I'm speeding by at about 120 miles an hour. And then I look in my rearview mirror and that black and white blur becomes a blue and white blur as lights are flashing at me. Now I wasn't a Christian at the time but I started begging God for help. <laughs> And not only that, but I knew where the Christian radio station was, so I turned it to the Christian radio station. Because I, I thought if this police officer, if he heard me playing some of that Jesus music, he wouldn't give one of these Jesus kids a ticket. And so, um, so he pulls me over, and the officer comes up to my car, and he says, he says, do you know how fast you're going? And I said, do you know how fast I was going? And he had clocked me at 111 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone on I-95. And so after, after getting that, the unlimited potential, I first felt with my driver's license and my 1991 Mazda 626 was suddenly crushed. And then when, when I saw that the ticket back in 1997 was for over $200, the unlimited potential I felt with my Burger King paycheck was also crushed. And it's so funny how in one moment um, we can have something that, that crushes the unlimited potential that we once felt. And I wonder what is it in your life that has robbed you of potential? Because one bad decision, one drink too many, one argument too many, one text too many can lead to a lifetime of disappointment. And when it feels like someone has destroyed that potential, that hope that we once had, like there's almost nothing more that can lead us astray or make us feel more like we have lost in life. But see, if you know the one who can make all things new, if you know the one that can take what was dead and bring it to life, if you know the good shepherd, listen to what Jesus says here again in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus is saying here, look, there's going to be things and people in your life that try to rob you of the potential that God put in you. But then he said, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I love the way how it's said in the Amplified Version where it says, I came, Jesus said that I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And what Jesus is saying right here, he's letting the sheep know. He's letting his people know there are going to be things in life that try to rob that potential of what, what God wants put in you. But no matter what your past is, 
No matter what that thing was, God can restore it and he can restore the potential that was once in you. And if you live life with a good shepherd, if you follow Christ, you will live life to its fullest potential. The second thing I want to show you from um, what, what happens when you decide to live life with the good shepherd is that you will find rest in his promises. You will find rest in his promises. Listen to what Jesus says here again in verses 11 through 12 in verse 15. He says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know, when I was studying for this passage, I, I've, I've read this passage before. I've studied this passage before. In fact, John chapter 10 is my, John chapter 10 verse 10 is my life verse. In fact, if we talk for any extended amount of time, at some point I'm going to mention that when you follow Christ, you will live your life to its fullest. Like I, I love John chapter 10 verse 10. And I know in these other verses where Jesus is talking about the hired hand, he's talking about how the Pharisees didn't really care about the people. He's talking about how all they really wanted were more followers, uh, maybe some more notoriety, uh, more influence, more money. And so they didn't really care about what God wanted or what the people needed. But here's what I realized this week as I was studying for this passage. Jesus said in John chapter um, 10, verse 10, he says that the thief is going to come. He said that there will be hired hands, people who don't really care about the sheep. And in verse 12, he says that the wolves will come. He says they will attack. And each time he says these things, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd gives them life to the full. And again, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I started thinking, like, isn't that a more realistic picture of life? In fact, even back in Psalm 23, where David declared that the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Remember that he wasn't just on the beach, like, sipping goat's milk. Like, he was right in the middle of a crisis. And here in John chapter 10, like Jesus is reminding people and he's letting them know that when you decide to follow him, he never promised that life would be perfect. When you decide to follow him, he never promised that it would be all sunshine and butterflies. In fact, in just these few verses, he says that there will be some fake people in your life who you thought really cared about you or even loved you, but it turned out they didn't. Anyone ever have, have that happen to them before? He said that you will be attacked by the evil one, struck with disease, tempted in ways you never thought you could imagine. Anyone ever have that happen to them before? He said the wolves will come and the attack will be so strong it'll make you want to scatter. It'll make you want to run away from, run away from God, run away from his church. It will even feel like God doesn't care about you. Anyone ever been through something like that in their life before? But Jesus is letting people know that yet, even though the wolves will come, even though the attacks will come, even though the diagnoses will come, even though people will hurt us, even though we'll even make our own mistakes that cause problems and trauma in our life, he's saying that the good shepherd is not going to run away like the hired hand does because he keeps his word. He keeps his promises. He will never leave the sheep. That he is right there with you. So when he said that he will, he who began the good work in you will, will take it to completion, he meant it. When he said that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, he meant it. When he said that he is an ever-present help in times of trouble, he meant it. And he knows that we are going to mess up at times and sometimes the things that we're going through, the mess that we're in is even our own fault. But he thought our lives were so valuable that he was willing to lay down his. Not because anyone forced him, but because he so loved the world and because he so loved you. And he wants the sheep to know that the attacks will come, but you can still trust him. And even during the attacks, you can find rest in his promises. 
The third thing I want you to see when you decide to live life with the good shepherd is that you will experience just how personal he is. You'll experience just how personal he is. You know, so many other religions paint God as this, as this omnipotent, transcendent being that's so, so far away from us that you have to jump through all of these hoops, you have to do all of these things like to try to get to God. But here, Jesus is letting the people know that even in our mess, because sheep were very messy, that the good shepherd is not distant, but he wants to be close. He wants to be close and he wants to be personal. In fact, in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just a little bit earlier in, in chapter 10, right around verse 4, he also says that my sheep know my voice, and he says that my sheep know me. And have you ever thought about the fact that God has stalked you? That he knows every single detail about you. That he knows every single thing you've liked on Facebook. He knows every single Snapchat you've sent. He knows all the times that you decided to swipe right. He knows all of the good things about you and even some of the darkest things about you. You wouldn't want anyone else to know about it. But yet he still chooses to be close and to be personal. And Jesus is reminding his followers here that his sheep, they know his voice. He knows them. He knows everything about them. But he also wants them to know him. And when it comes right down to it, he's talking about knowing his voice. And I, I, I would think that most of us would even say that we know God's voice primarily from knowing his word, from reading the Bible. And I would think most people over at Courthouse, here at Garrisonville, even watching online, I would think most people would say it is important for us to, to know what God's word says, to know it, but also not just to know it, but to internalize it and to memorize it. And let me ask you a question this morning. When was the last time you've memorized a verse. When was the last time you not just heard God's word being taught, you didn't just read God's word, but you began to internalize it and memorize it. You know, a few years ago, I was working at a church in Danville, and one of my roles there um, in Danville, Virginia, one of my roles there was student pastor. And um, our church had three different locations. And so once a year, we had this um, student ministry winter camp where all the students, middle school and high school from each location would get together um, in North Carolina. We were bringing a guest speaker to this incredible um, winter camp. And the, the last year I was there, the camp speaker, his name was David Nasser. And David Nasser was at, is actually the spiritual uh, development uh, leader over at Liberty University. And while he was there in the middle of high school students, middle school students, um, leaders, volunteers, and pastors, he, he challenged us and he asked a, a question um, that, that had, me, had me a little bit flustered. Um, so I want to fluster everyone a little bit this morning as well, okay? Um, so here's the question for you. Here's the first part of the question. Um, now, this is for anyone who's been saved, which means that, you know, you realize you were a sinner in need of a savior and you surrendered your life to Christ. Anyone who's been saved for at least five years or more, okay? I know we have a lot of people in our church who have been coming to faith in Christ and even people who are still seeking and wondering who Jesus is. Like, you guys are off the hook this morning, okay? So these are for people who have been saved for at least five years or more. So if you've been saved for at least five years or more, well, would you stand up this morning if you're able to? If you've been saved for at least five years or more, stand up this morning if you're able to stand, okay? Now, out of everyone that's standing, out of everyone that's standing, if you've been saved for at least 10 years, raise your hand up. At least 10 years, raise your hand. Um, anybody at least 20 years? 20 years, keep your hand up at least 20 years. Uh, 30 years? 30 years? 40 years? Uh, 50 years. Keep your hand up. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, 60 years. Anybody 60 years? 60 years. Okay. All right. Anybody 70 years? 70? All right. So it looks like about 70, uh, up to about 70 years or so. Now, here's the question that he asked. Because all of us would say that it is important that, that God does know us and he wants to be personal with us. But we know that his sheep know his voice. We always say it's so important like to internalize and memorize God's word. And he asked a question I want to ask you this morning. For however many years it's been for you that you've known Christ, that you've been saved, can you quote a verse verbatim with the reference? 
So if you've been saved five years, can you quote five verses verbatim with the reference? If you've been saved 30 or 40 years, can you quote 30 verses verbatim with the reference? All right, you may be seated this morning. I'm not going to ask anybody to come up here. You don't have to prove it, okay? So calm down. But I can remember when he asked this question, it's like I started to shake too. I could barely remember John, um, John 3, 16. I really have trouble remembering right there. And I, I, and I started to think for the 15 years I had been saved at the time, could I remember 15 verses verbatim with the reference? And later on, I actually did, I was able to write on about 12 that I could just, without going back and even looking at it, I could write them down verbatim um, with the reference, knowing exactly where they are. But so many times, like I can even remember when I first gave my life to Christ, it was early on, like I had a hunger for scripture. I had a hunger for hearing God's ver- voice. And so many times, like I would memorize passages. So I I want to ask you the question this morning. When was the last time you memorized a verse? Was it back in your VBS days when you were, or your Awana days when you were a kid? Or is it still now that you're putting this discipline into practice? Because the truth of the matter is like this discipline has faded in my life. But Jesus said that, our, that his sheep, they know his voice. And see, there's something about when you keep memorizing and internalizing God's word, that no matter what it is that you're going through, God speaks to you. And it's in those moments that you hear his voice, like he brings those passages to mind. I mean, it's the same idea in Psalm 119 where where David actually said, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And David knew like the more like he internalized and memorized God's word, that when he was faced with a decision, like God would bring that back to mind because he's so personal. And God knows everything about you. But are you willing to get to know him, to hear his voice by internalizing and memorizing his word. You know, when you decide to live life with the good shepherd, you will live life to its fullest potential. That maybe there's been even things or people in your life that have tried to rob you of that potential, but when you surrender to God, he can, he can show you how to live life to his absolute fullest potential. When you decide to live life with the good shepherd, you will find rest in his promises. So no matter what it is that you're going through in life, even when life is completely chaotic, somehow like God helps you find rest. So when the wolves come, when the evil one attacks, you can still find rest in his promises. And when you decide to live life with the good shepherd, he will show you just how personal he is. He isn't some distant God, but he wants to be right there close with you. You know, our sheep-like tendencies often will leave us empty, but the good shepherd who is here with us completes us to the full. I'm going to ask our worship team is going to make their way back up to the stage. And as they're making their way back on the stage, like we're just going to enter this time of prayer and also do some personal inspection as well. And as we close today, I would ask you that you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And I would ask the question, what is it that God is saying to you? What is the good shepherd saying to you this morning? Because our sheep-like tendencies will continue to leave us empty, but it's the good shepherd who completes us to the full. And as you're praying this morning, as you're reflecting on John chapter 10, maybe you're someone who was once so passionate about God, but for whatever reason, like you've run away from him. Because maybe you feel like there's been something or someone in your life that has robbed you of the potential that God once put in you. Maybe you've even been stubborn and have not wanted to return to him. But today, I hope you will realize that the thief may come to rob, steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give you life to its fullest. And what is it that you need to lay down before him today? Is it a sin that you need to confess? Is it something that you need to say, God, you know what, right now I want to surrender this to you because I know that it's only through you that I can experience life to its fullest potential. And that's you today. 
even in this moment, would you begin to just have a conversation with God and say, God, this thing has been blocking me. It's been stopping me. But right now, Lord, I want to surrender it to you. I don't want to be stubborn anymore. I don't want that appetite to try to take it over. But God, I want to surrender this to you because I know that in you, life can be lived to its fullest potential. Maybe right now, like you are in a, a state in life where your life seems chaotic, or maybe the wolves have come, or maybe the enemy has attacked. And maybe you feel like right now, like maybe you feel like, like God has distanced himself from you, but the truth of the matter is he is not. And God wants you to find rest in his promises. And then that's you today. And maybe you've been feeling like life is so chaotic. I want to encourage you and challenge you that you will begin to internalize scripture. And for the next couple of weeks, you would read Psalm 23 every single day. And that you would memorize that passage and, and begin to let God like work his comfort and his peace even in the middle of this chaos. So you, you can declare like David did and say, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. No matter what it is, I'm going through. And maybe today you've never given your life to Christ. And God wants to show you just how personal he is. And maybe you've been stubborn. Maybe you've been following the wrong people or things. Maybe you've been trying to fill your appetite with all these things that keep leaving you empty. Well, today is the day to surrender your life to Christ. No matter what the mess you're in, God wants you to know that he is madly in love with you. He's not mad at you. He doesn't want to be distant from you, but he wants to be close to you. He is a personal God. He is a personal shepherd. And he wants to show you just how personal he is. If you're ready to surrender your life to him. And if that's you today, if you want to give your life to Christ right where you are, would you pray this simple prayer? Um, these words aren't the words that save you, but it's me helping you to be able to say to God that today you want to give your life to him. So would you pray, God, I've been lost. Please forgive me of my sin. Today, God, I know you love me. I know you are good. And today, I declare you as my Lord, as my shepherd. And then while everyone still has their heads down and their eyes closed, if that was you today, I want you, I'm gonna count to three in just a minute. And when I hit three, I want you to raise your hand up to declare, just like David did, that the Lord is my shepherd. If you pray to receive Christ for the first time today, when I hit three, shoot your hand straight up in the air and keep it up until our prayer team just gives you a gift to help you on this new journey. So if that's you today, get ready. One, two, three. You want to raise your hand up and keep it up, keep it up high, saying that the Lord is my shepherd, that today you've decided to follow Christ. And as you keep your hand up, our prayer team is going to give you a box as they come around. And Father, I want to thank you, God, for never giving up on us. God, even though our sheep-like tendencies, God, keep leaving us empty, God, thank you that we can keep coming to the Good Shepherd to find fulfillment, to find joy, to find potential in life. And I want to pray, God, that even for those who right now are in a, just a chaotic situation, I want to pray, God, that even in the midst of this, that you would help them to find rest in your promises. And God, would you keep showing us, Lord, just how personal are. God, you're so good. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand and let's sing this morning.
mouth. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, before you leave, our prayer team will be right down here, down front. And I, I would love it if you raise your hand this morning. You got one of those boxes. Right inside the box, there's a little card. If you even just would fill out that card and just drop it off with one of the prayer team members down front, we would love it if you did that. Um, just to help you begin to take some next steps in following the Good Shepherd. And please, whatever it takes, bring somebody back with you here next week. We believe that Clayton King is going to bring an incredible word for us. We're believing many people are going to come to faith in Christ next week. And I just want to encourage you, church, as we keep going through this series, you need to realize that God, the Good Shepherd, is right here with us. And even though we battle our sheep-like tendencies, it's when we decide to follow him that he completes us and that he makes us full. Man, I love you guys. Have a great week. It's not going to be the church.